I, I tell you, uh, it, it's really not easy to stand in front of a lot of people. You know, we can prepare all we want, uh, but then you don't know why. Uh, five minutes before, the butterflies will just all come. Even now, as I speak, the butterflies are there. <laughs> okay, um, I don't think I'm going to share the Word of God uh, from behind this wooden you know, the preaching stand, what you call it, <laughs> because I feel so far away from you and I feel like there's a barrier. So if you don't mind, if I can stand just around this area and talk to you, is it okay? Yeah? And I also want to say that, uh, is it okay that I can be myself this morning to share with you God's Word? Can? Thank you so much. Okay, let me just adjust myself a little bit. Everyone can see me? Yay. So you give me a permission that I can be myself already, right? Really, yeah? Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> really, yeah? Uh, okay, so this is myself, and uh, I tell you, oh, I feel so much better without a tie. The tie is killing me, you know? I tell you, I don't know how the pastor survived week after week with a collar. <laughs> Just that day, uh, last week, um, my son was saying, Daddy, you're going to preach uh, on uh, main service. That means standing on the pulpit. Uh. But you're not a pastor, what? Then I look at him and say, huh, yeah, oh, I'm not a pastor. Oh. So shouldn't go up, right? Yeah, la, you. Uh. Then I say, I just keep quiet. La. You know, I don't want to say anything, right? Then towards the night, um, kind of have, have a night talk. My daughter came to me and said, you know, Daddy, uh, who, who are you in church? I said, I don't know. Like. <laughs> suddenly, you ask me this kind of question. My identity suddenly disappeared. Who am I in Christ, etc. So I said, I don't know. What about you, Nessa? Vanessa? Huh? I call her Nessa. What, what, what about you? What do you think I am? I said, you know, Daddy, I think you are a pastor. Wow. I say, are you serious? You think like that? Why, why, why do you think that I'm a pastor? I don't know. It's just a feeling. I tell you, there and then at that point of time at night, right, my heart just melted and I just kind of teared, <laughs> you know, because the lights were turned off and I say, thank you, thank you for saying that to me, let's sleep. But, uh, you know, sometimes adults, uh, we need affirmation as well. It's not just the youths. And I stand before you this morning, uh, not as a PTM. I stand before you this morning actually as a father. That's why, you know, being a father, right, we want to really take care of our family, Right? Being a father is that we want that we hope that our family, especially our children, know the ways of God. Amen. Yeah, let's pray and then uh, we'll go into it. Father, we would like to come before you at this moment. We want to pray and Father, we want to know you as our heavenly father. We want to know you as our daddy God. We don't just want to call you God, we want to call you daddy. We want to know you as our heavenly father. And this morning is about you. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here. Holy Spirit, we pray that you take over. The words of yours, it's all yours. We pray that you bring the word into the hearts of everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. So I was just told that, um, uh, that I have only 30 minutes to share. I was like thinking in my mind, oh my goodness, 30 minutes. And today is IGC. There's so many people, different age group, uh, so how to squeeze buffet into bachang? I also don't know. But I hope that everybody have a piece of the bachang to bring home, okay? Um, so I'll start by talking to uh, the, the adults, or rather those who can understand me deeper. Like what um, uh, Josh has mentioned 
in our youth ministry, we really do need help. That's why you see, last week, serve God, serve one another, right? So I'm actually wearing it because I want to encourage you to serve God and where God has called you to. If it's youth ministry, you really like uh, to be with youths, you're interested, come and talk to us, me and Josh. We'll have a coffee with you. But Josh didn't say the other part. If you, in the end, you don't want right, you pay for the coffee. <laughs> okay? Okay? So, um, without much further ado, I just want to talk to the children first. Children, are you around? Can you please raise your hands or you can stand up because Uncle Jerry is short. I cannot see you. Are you around? Raise your hands. Do you have the kid with you? You know that, 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 that kit, uh, this uh, IGC children's kit, uh, it's a plastic piece packet with three things inside. Look behind, Uncle. Coco Jeffrey, not Uncle. Eh? Coco Jeffrey. You know, do you have that, everyone? Yeah? Okay, so today we are going to do a little bit of activity. You look up the slide. Please turn to the next slide. Now take out the worksheet and you look at the, uh, one of the page. And before you continue with the page, I want you to look up there. What picture do you see? Do you see what do you see? You see a jungle, right? That's not vegetables. This jungle. Okay? And then you see the word lost, right? No, sometimes when we are at a place whereby we are lost in the jungle or you're lost at somewhere, what are the two things in your mind and what you know that you need to have to find your way around? You need to find your way around, right? Oh, you're lost. How? What are the two things? What do you think? Can you shout out the answer? Map. Someone say map. Very good. The other one? Compass. Very good. Give the children a round of applause. Let's turn to the next slide. Yes, compass and map. So if you look at your worksheet, there's one page that says, what are the two things you need when you're lost in this world and somewhere where you're lost? Okay, there are blanks there. Fill up the blanks. The first answer is map. The next answer is compass. Uh, you know, parents, you can help them fill it up. And then you see the picture is actually black and white, right? You can color. That's why we give you color pencils. Okay? Okay? Next one. Maybe you turn to the other page. You know, sometimes, right, life uh, is like a jungle. You understand, children? Huh? How can it be? Every day I'm in kindergarten, where's the jungle? Where's the vegetables? No. Life sometimes can be like a jungle. As you grow up further, and adults will know this, life sometimes we are unsure where we are going. Correct, children? You know, sometimes your friend angry with you and you quarrel with them. Then they say, I don't want to friend you anymore. <sighs> you cry. You go home, you tell your parents, I'm sad. You don't know what to do, right? That's like a jungle. You know? Sometimes, maybe, you know, you lost the $10 bill. The $10 note your mommy gave you, asked you to put in the piggy bank. Then the next moment, you lost it. How? But and you know, mommy is going to ask, where's the $10 I gave you this morning? Oh no, and you know you lost it. What are you going to do? Lost in the jungle suddenly, correct? So in life, children, sometimes we may be lost. And there are also two things you need to have. And I speak to you as a father. There are two things you need to have. Tell me what are the two things. Look at the next page. Sometimes you're lost in life. You see this uncle sit at the alley, uh, crying, don't know what's happening, you know? So what are the two things? Anyone want to try? The first one is what? Bible. Very good. Okay, our children in this church, solid. They're going to make it well, children. Yeah, parents, don't worry. So the first one is Bible. Second one is? 
Relationship with Jesus. Very good. So next page. Yes, fill it up. Color it. And I want to say this to you children. Give me your attention. Uncle Gerald wants you to remember this. And I say this to my children the same. As you grow up further and you become taller and taller and taller like mommy and daddy, and eventually you become an adult, life can get a little bit messy. But there are two things that you need to have in life. A compass and a map. A compass and a map. Okay? Your relationship with Jesus is like the compass. Jesus is like a best friend that you walk with every single day. Jesus is more than a best friend because He's God's Son and He is our God. When you have Him in your life and when you're lost, go to Him in prayer. Talk to Him. He will point you to all truth. Remember that, children. The second thing is this. God's love letter to us, He draw the whole map out for you already. It is the Bible. Know the Bible. Because every word in the Bible will help you find somewhere or direction in life. Remember these two maps, uh, these two things you need to have. Your map and your compass, which is the Bible and relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So you will see that you have a sticker, correct, children? Do you have a sticker inside your pack? Okay, that sticker is so small because it's designed such a way. Stick that in your Bible. Remind yourself, as I grow up further, these are the two things I need to hold close to. The Bible, the Word of God, and my relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else is really secondary. Amen? Yeah. So that's for children. I tell you, um, children, I love children, really. But just that I'm doing youth ministry, I cannot be at children ministry. And, uh, but I'm not saying I want to do children ministry. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Enough. My plate already full, like buffet. I cannot, cannot finish. <laughs> uh, but the children are so fantastic and awesome. You know, I have wonderful time at home. And uh, family is a place whereby we worship God. Family is the place whereby we teach children how to know God. And uh, today, the scripture that is taken from 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 1 to 13 is the scripture that we want to talk about. Next slide, please. I titled today the sermon to be called Worship is a Family Affair. And a couple of months back, uh, when I was told that uh, I, I would preach at IGC, I started to pray and started to read the Bible in a sense that to look out for what scripture and God is waiting for on the, on the Lord, what he's, uh, gonna, He wants me to use. And I think I came apart, uh, across uh, 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 1 to, 8 to 13. And I was reading it, right? It's such an awesome chapter. This chapter actually records the dedication of the first temple of God how King Solomon brought together the whole entire Israelites, every single person. And I tell you, it is an awesome scene. So when I read it, right, just now Titus was reading for us the scripture, it was wonderful and I was just reenacting what was happening. It is really awesome, you know. And you know what? The most powerful thing as I read it, right, I realized that even though it's a dedication of the temple, it is a form of worship and it is a family affair. Okay? Everyone was present. Everyone have to be present. And they need to be involved in the whole dedication process because worship is a family affair. The whole family comes together to worship God, to dedicate this temple to God. 
You know, it was just um, uh, when I read and then the following that in the last few uh, uh, scripture, last few verses of uh, verse 1 to 13, it describes this. When everybody have come together, worship, dedicated, and when the priests are done, the glory of God came down and filled the whole temple. Now, this to me is not an analogy. It is not a fairy tale. Something did happen. The cloud came and filled the whole entire temple and the, the presence of God was so awesome that even the priests, that means the priests like you know, us all, like pastor preaching up here, you know, they cannot minister. It is so heavy, they have to crawl out. Can you imagine Pastor Anthony preached halfway then? You know, like, oh, what happened? Then everybody started to feel, wow, uncomfortable. And then it's not because his stomach ate or diarrhea. The presence of God came. You cannot continue. That, when the presence of God comes, the glory, that tangible presence is so powerful. Do you want that? I want that. I want that for our church. No doubt we will think logically, is it possible? We have never read any accounts of it. Is there anything that we know? No? But the Bible states that it did happen and it can happen again. Amen? Last week, we had a very mini um, Thanksgiving service, a small mini one whereby the, the leaders and the pastors and the staff and all the representatives came together for a small mini Thanksgiving service. Thanksgiving, that whereby we dedicate this, this building because the A&A works are completed. Let's give a round of applause for the A&A team. You know, it has been many months that we are talking about the rebuilding of the church, extension and everything finally is completed. And last week, we had that mini special Thanksgiving service. And we thank God and we honor God and we say, God, take it over. This is yours. And I believe that I didn't know that we we're going to have it last Sunday. And then we are talking about 1 Kings chapter 8. I was going to preach about that. To me, there is a similar connection. That kind of like made it very meaningful to me. So when I read 1 Kings chapter 8, it reminded me of the whole entire worship attitude <clears throat> that we need to have as a family of God, which can result in God manifesting His tangible glory in our midst. And I would like to share very humbly three points from 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 1 to 13. The first point is this, in my reflection. Worship is a family uh, affair, and family means everyone is involved. Not a single one is left behind. And I tell you, Solomon, the first thing he did in preparation to dedicate the temple is that he gathered the elders of Israel, the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel. That means all the fathers. Huh? So fathers, you and I, we play an important role in family worship. I say this again, fathers, you and I, we play an important role in family worship. And he also gathered all the men. Okay, verse 2. Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at a feast in the month of Athenim, which is the seventh month. All the men. He didn't say all the men and women and children. He said all the men. So if you are a man but you're not a father or grandfather, you are important as well. I want to raise this awareness that we have a special responsibility on our shoulders. And they came together and they dedicated the temple. Now, the first thing I say this, 
Worship is a family affair, and family means everyone is involved. Not a single one is left behind. And it starts from the leadership. From verse 1 to verse 5, we see that the leadership is very important. We have been praying, right? There are pockets of us praying and say, God, let there be a revival in our church. Pockets of us. In fact, the pockets are becoming bigger. In recent times, we begin to see the tangible move of God. We have um, testimonies whereby people are healed. We have testimonies whereby miracles will, will happen. We also have an increase in number in prayer slots, uh, I mean in prayer uh, 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 meetings. So the Wednesday, on the third Wednesday of every month, prayer and praise, okay, last time there used to be less than 10 people. The last count, which was just last week, we had 29 people. 29 people hungry for God coming together to pray. Something is moving in our church and we need to get hold of it. Amen? Yes? So leaders, as I say again, it's very important. But in leadership in the perspective of God, it's not like what the corporate world sees. Corporate world says, I'm the leader, I'm the CEO, everyone follow me. But then in the eyes of God, right, leadership, if we do an audit trail, so-called, we trace back. Actually, leadership, the roots of leadership actually leads back to the family units, the role of the father, the role of the fathers. In the Old Testament, fathers play a very important role. Now, in the family units in the Old Testament, the fathers ensure the spiritual growth of the children, teaching them the ways of the Lord. Fathers' prayers have a special anointing as they pray a prayer of blessing and even prayer of protection over the children and family. The fathers have the authority to pass down birthright blessings. Okay? And the father figure, I would say, is the original leadership in the eyes of God at the micro level, working upwards the macro level, the leadership in the church. So leadership is to protect, take care of the things of God, move in tandem with Him, and bring the congregation to move together with God according to His will. Leadership is important because our responsibility is not just to take care of material things of God, but also ensure the congregation knows God grows deep with God and follow Him. Amen? So all of us who are in leadership position, that is our responsibility. And I want to say this to the youth leaders that are sitting in our midst. I want to say this. Please allow me to say this. I just want to throw this in. And those of you who are considering to come and serve in youth ministry as a youth leader, we don't be a youth leader because we want to be liked by the children, by the youth. Don't be a youth leader because we want to be liked by them. Don't be a youth leader just because we want to feel accepted. Don't be a youth leader because you want, we want their respect or to be affirmed by them. No. Be a youth leader because we want to point the young people back to Jesus Christ. Amen? Stick to that direction and then everything will fall in place. So worship is a family affair. Everyone is involved. Not a single one is left behind that includes the rest of us. We talk about leaders already. How about the rest of us? Yalah, this is Gerald. Talk, 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 talk. Well, he really can talk, huh? Really. Those already all about leaders, man. But how about the rest of us? Everyone plays a part. Every person, children, young, old, everybody. That's why when we read chapter uh, verse 5, also King Solomon and all the congregation 
of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. This everyone comes together to dedicate the temple. I tell you, that's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 31, knows this, that every person is a part of the body. You know, can you touch your body? I mean, don't touch in an indecent way. Touch, touch, touch. Touch your hair, touch your head. You know, every part of your body is a part. And every one of us play a part. Some of us can be the nostril hair. Some of us can be the ear hole. Some of us can be the armpit. Some of us can be the toe that nobody sees. I think I'm the armpit. <laughs> so loud and crude and smelly, you know. But you know what? Without me, you cannot bend your arms. You have to walk around like that, children. You know? You can you walk, you see someone walk around like that, and you ask, hey, what happened to you, uncle? I have no armpits. <laughs> you know? So every one of us play a part. That's why every person has to be together in family worship. Point number two. Worship is a family affair. And the attitude of worship must be filled with overflowing thanksgiving and repentance. Just a very fast, fun thing, okay? From verse uh, 5, I read again, Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Wow, that's like a lot, right? But no number given. Yeah, a lot, a lot. A lot can be 20, 50. Can you imagine this whole sanctuary filled with 50 cows? Oh, wow, that's quite a scene, right? That's a lot. That's a lot. But in this verse, it doesn't say how much, um, how many. Okay, English, uh, English can count, can count. How many? Okay? But then if we read further, the whole entire chapter 8, if you read it all, at verse 62, God did reveal. Let me tell you, okay? Verse 62. Then the king, which is Solomon, and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offering, which he offered to the Lord. 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of hamburgers, man. <laughs> you know? That's a lot of lamb chops. Oh. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. Now, can you imagine how many, how many bulls are there? How many sheep are there? Let's play a little bit of a game. Um, let's look at the numbers. You take, uh, I did a little bit of research. How many hamburgers can be made from one cow? One cow is like one bull, right? One cow, one bull, something like that. Aga, aga. So I did a bit of research. How many hamburgers can one cow make? Wow. I found the answer. Someone actually did it. And it's 4,500 McDonald's burgers. Children, you like to eat McDonald's hamburger or not? Yes! How about eating McDonald's hamburger every day of your life? <laughs> That's a nightmare of the parents. No! Okay, let's play a little bit of game. Let's, how about this? 4,500 4, is one cow, right? 22,000. So take your calculator out. Play. Let's do it together. Your handphone, calculator, whatever. 4,500 times 22,000. What's the number? Wow, 1,000, 1,000 is true. Something like that is more than that, you know. What is the number? I tell you what is the number, okay? 99 million. 4,500 times 22,000, okay, is 99 million. Right or not? Unless my calculator is not Casio, huh? or not iPhone. 
is 20, is 99 million. And I did this a little bit of thinking in my thought, wow, 99 million burgers. Ah. Wow, stomach ache, you know. Go toilet already, uh, come out, still cannot eat, you know what I'm saying? If I eat three burgers a day, okay, and I eat it for 365 days a year, for 80 years, Singapore, okay, we live longer nowadays. We live on 80 years old, huh? If you live on 90, 100, 120, oh, God bless you, very good. But 80, aga, okay? So there will be how many burgers in the whole lifetime? 87,600. 87,600 burgers my whole entire life. I keep eating. But there is 99 million, you know? So you know what? 99 million means uh, you have 1,130 years worth of burgers in your lifetime 10 times. So that means you eat burger every day eh? for your whole entire life. You're sick already, but you still eat. Eat, eat, whole entire life, 80 years. You eat 10 times, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80. You like or not? <laughs> but that's the amount of sacrifice. I just wanted to paint you the picture. The amount of sacrifice, peace offering, King Solomon and the Israelites offered to God. That's the amount. And to me, God is saying this through the magnitude of King Solomon's peace offering in 1 Kings chapter 8. That we mean, it means that there's an overflowing of attitude of humility, thanksgiving, meekness, and humbleness. Why? Because when we come before God, whether when they sacrifice an animal, we know in the Old Testament, when, when the animal is being sacrificed, it's for the atonement of sin. Or if not, it will be something else, like for example, the peace offering. Okay, whether it's for that reason or not, whichever the reason is, when you come before God and you, and you offer a sacrifice, you are humbly coming before God and you are saying this, Lord, it's not about us. It's about you. I'm sorry. Lord, it's not about us. It's about you. Thank you. It's not about our flesh, but by your power. It is not our glory, but your glory. There is meekness in attitude. There is humility. There's humbleness in this attitude. To me, the number, the amount of sacrifice that Solomon offered talks about the need of having such an attitude when we come together as a family of God to worship Him. So often as a congregation, when we come together to worship God, are we thankful to God for the blessings that He has given us in this church? When we pray, that's the corporate level, church level. As a family unit, when we come together as a family in your own time, you know, and we pray, and we talk to God together as a family, are we thankful to God for all the blessings that He has given us? You know, with our families, or we complain, you know, husband and wife, yeah, no, I tell you, uh, I, uh, we're supposed to pray, right, you know. Uh, are we thankful? Let's thank God. Even though mommy is not doing very well, health got problem, let's thank God some more. Okay? And individually, in good times, we thank Him. But when trying and difficult times come, do we continue to thank Him and honour Him? Worship is a family affair. And the attitude of worship must be filled with overflowing thanksgiving and repentance. That leads me to my point three. Point three is, worship is a family affair. And the children learn through the worship lifestyle of the parents especially of the fathers. Can I have a show of hands, those of us who are fathers? Show of hands. Be proud of it. Fathers, raise up your hands. And if you are a grandfather, you are a father also. But you are a lieutenant colonel. We are major. 
<laughs> your captains, you know. No, 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 Lieutenant Colonel, I give you higher, la, BG, okay? <laughs> if your grandfathers, you are that level, okay? And you know what? How we worship God, how we carry ourselves at home, our children are looking at us. At this point of time, I just want to invite Hansel, one of our youth, to come forward to the front to share with us his testimony of how his father impacted his life. Let's give him a round of applause. Come, Hansel, share with us your testimony. Hi, guys. Hi, Hansel. Uh, hello, I'm Hansel, um, and I'm from 1030-5612 Boys, FG. And I would like to share my testimony about my father and how he has impacted my work with God. I think we can all agree that prayer is a fundamental part of our Christian lives, and my father really touches on that. My father fetches me and my brother to school, and we started quite a distance away from school. <laughs> so during the drive or waiting for the traffic light to turn green, he would pray with us and like pray for our day and our week and for basically everything that comes to mind. Uh. And he also prays for us on the way home from like tuition or, and stuff, yeah. And I think he has set an example for me and my brother and inspired me and him to speak to my Heavenly Father more. Other than this, my Heavenly my, my Father loves to watch sermons on my home television and as a result, the whole house can hear it when they walk into the living room. And like, any curious boy, I'll sit down with him to watch the sermons for a while. And this accidental sermon watching has really strengthened me in what I believe in regarding our Heavenly Father. This not only impacted me, but my brother and my mom as well, which is a good thing. Uh. One last thing I'm going to share is about how my father impacted my life in my relationship with God. was this, um, going on a family trip to Israel with the church last year. And that trip really impacted my, God, my walk with God. My dad says that the Israel trip was to get me and my brother to, uh, quote, experience the Bible and walk in the steps of biblical figures, unquote. And it was truly an awesome experience. Uh, before the trip last year, I was pretty distant with God, and to be honest, I cared much more about what a student in this day and age would care about, his grades. But long story short, my family got prophesied on by an amazing friend in this church, um, which was how we had not been on fire for God yet. But if we were in fire, it would be really good. Uh. And after hearing that prayer, I just felt really surreal. And I kept praying for God to touch us and personally speak to me. And he did in youth camp last year. Um, in that camp, God touched me and a bunch of other people during all the call. And what happened was that um, he wrote down our, idol, our idols on a piece of paper and put it in a basket in the front. And after that, like, Everybody started crying. And uh, for me, um, can't control the tears. I just falls out. And during camp, God not only ignited my love for him, but also blessed me with a Christian community, which was a small bunch of really close friends who I can now call my closest friends, where we can carry each other's burdens and share without fearing of getting judged and spur each other on in Christ and everything else. Without my earthly father, I would never have gone on that trip, never have prayed for any of this, and never had my prayer answered in youth camp. And so thank you, Dad, so much for playing a part in bringing my walk with Christ to where it is today. And thank you to my heavenly father for blessing me with so much and for loving me no matter what I've done and no matter how sinful I am. Thank you.
Okay. Thank you, uh, Hansel. And that was wonderful. And uh, we know we hear how his father, Hansel, Hansel's father, uh, Lincoln, uh, impacted his life and, uh, you know, showed by his lifestyle of what worship is unto the Lord. And, um, you know, Hansel, uh, Hansel's fa father and mother, parents are not here. They're going to come at 10.30, so I can't really identify them and honor them. I just want to say that I, my respect is to, the, 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 to, to Lincoln, which is the father, what he's doing. And I just want to share with you uh, uh, that, you know, children and youths, they may not say it to the fathers especially, mothers as well. Children and youths, they don't say it, but their eyes are watching. Okay, let me tell you the truth. We all know, some of us know, some of us, but we don't, don't know. Then I better say it out. The eyes are looking. They're looking for someone to be a role model. In some, and in, in this context, right, they're not just looking for someone to be a role model. They're looking for someone to help them understand how to worship God, how to love God. How to live my life as a Christian? You know, as a young person, they are lost sometimes out there, you know. But when they come home and they share their problems, we as parents, we don't even tell them the solution. We don't tell them our own experience. We push them down some more. You should have done this. You should have done that. You shouldn't have said this. I tell you, often enough, they'll shut themselves up. They'll look for someone else who can tell them who God is. Worse, they find it from the internet. Terrible. So we have a responsibility to play. And you know, fathers, in case you don't know, in case you don't know, if in case you don't read the news, the world is becoming unpredictable. And it will continue to be so. Many things are becoming grey, in fact, deceptive. And our children are asking questions. We need to help them. This is our role. We make a stand. We hold a fort. We will face the enemy at the gates and the children will see us do that. And I tell you, they will love God. Something happened to Solomon. This is my third point. Something happened to Solomon and it is in this direction. But before that, let me share with you something lighthearted. One day, we were at home, me and my family, of course, four of us, me, my wife, Trifni, his, her name, and then my son, Asher, and my daughter, Vanessa. We were at a family table having dinner. And, and my wife had a very bad stomach ache. She stood up and said, Oh, guys, you know, I have a very bad stomach ache. Oh, I don't know, cannot, cannot tahan. Then immediately my children would say, Oh, mommy, can we pray for you? Oh, thank God they say automatically. I don't need to ask them. That means I did my part, right? <laughs> okay, so they said, Mommy, can we pray for you? Yeah, yeah, okay, my son. Then she, she, he, he go and touch the mommy's stomach and say, Jesus, in Jesus' name, we command the pain to go away. I command it to go. Wow, sound like me. Huh? <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, then he say, in Jesus' name, amen. Then, of course, my wife say, wow, I feel better. Don't know true or not. But never mind, never mind. We have faith. He say, I feel better, son. Asher, thank you so much. And he smiled. Then we all sat down, continue with dinner. Then you know what? Asher, the smile disappeared. Then he said, actually, huh, daddy, I, I, I feel daddy, uh, daddy I, I feel God don't answer my prayers. We just prayed, right? Then you say something like that. I say, why? Why you say like that? You know what? God don't answer my prayers, but the traffic light does. <laughs> what the traffic light? I said, can you explain to us? Yeah, Every time when I sit school bus, I urgent, urgent at the traffic light and I pray to God. God never make me, give me toilet. But when I pray the traffic light, ding, green light, it move. <laughs> traffic light answers prayer, not God. I say, oh my goodness, God, my role as a father comes in. 
No, it doesn't work like that. And I started to explain. Sometimes we pray, God will answer. Sometimes we pray, God may not answer now, but according to His timing. Son, when you want sweets, and you want sweet every day, hamburger, okay, hamburger. Hamburger every day. You think I'll give it to you? No. You know why? Bad for me. Yalah. When you pray for something, God also knows the timing, right? Yeah. I see. Ding. If I don't correct that, uh, every day you see him at the traffic light. Oh. <laughs> There's something wrong, you know? That is terrible. I tell you, I have problems. Are you watching? Uh? So point three. Worship is a family affair and the children learn through the worship lifestyle of the parents, especially of the fathers. And you know what? When we, uh, when we look at the, 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 the chapter, chapter 8, we, we, we thought that, hey, it was God's word that came to pass. He passed his word. He, he, he said uh, uh, and spoken to, to, to Solomon. That's why Solomon sprang to action and built the temple. Maybe we thought that it is like that. But actually, no. The building of the first temple actually was David's idea. Solomon's father. David's idea. David wanted to build a temple for God and say, God, this is, this, I want to build you a temple. I want to build you a place whereby you can rest. The presence of yours be there. Build it in your name. But God stopped him. God said, no, David, you know what? That thought is beautiful. That's an awesome thought, and I honor that. But you know what? Not in your lifetime, because you are fighting too many battles. You are fighting too many battles. But you know what? Someone from your line who's going to sit on the throne that you're sitting, your son, he will build the temple for me. You can actually read this from 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 3 to 5. Write it down. Go and read yourself. And what from here, just an inference, just a thought. The building of the temple of God, uh, we need to have a restful attitude. We need to rest in the presence of God. And I think that is something that I want to bring across to our church today, including all the leaders and all the pastors. You know, just yesterday, we had a leaders meeting, church-wide leaders meeting. And then the idea of 2020... We want to make this church, I, can I say it? We want, to, we want to go towards making our church become a home with a heart. You know what's home with a heart? Every one of us, after a hard day's work, we want to go home, right? When we reach home, what do you do? Shoo! The shoe, the sock. You know, for some of us, take out our shirt, oh, relax, take out the TV, control, watch TV, be ourselves. Home. Somewhere whereby it's comfortable. And with a heart. A place whereby we can be ourselves. If my son can tell me about his struggles, about praying to the traffic light, I think there is some heart in my home. Lah. Home with a heart is a place where, whereby we can be ourselves and when people come, they feel at home. And that is what David wanted to do. Build a home for God. But he says, God says this, because you are fighting too many battles. You have to finish fighting all these battles. Solomon, your son, will be the one who's going to build the temple. And because under Solomon's reign, there is peace. So in order for us, okay, to go towards that direction, we want to fully understand what resting in God is all about. But you know what? I did a little bit of a search. Solomon's name came first time in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24 to 25, when, and, when David and Bathsheba sinned against God, right? 
when they sinned against God, they had their first child. The child didn't make it. They were crying. They were mourning. Then after that, second child came. So 2 Samuel, verse 12, 24 to 25, reveals the name of the second child. Then let me read to you, okay? Don't need to refer. Use your ears. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in to, to her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he, called his, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him, verse 25, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. This is the first time Solomon's name was mentioned. And you know what? For the rest of the whole entire book, his name was not mentioned at all. Never again. First time mentioned when he was born. After that, no mention at all. I really searched. I went Bible gateway, searched everything. Bo. The very next time that Solomon's name came and popped out again, in, it's in, first, uh, in uh, first Kings. Rather, sorry, let me just go there. Uh, in the first chapter of uh, King, first Kings first chapter, whereby Adonai wanted to be king. And he, and, he, and he had a burnt offering. He had a ritual ceremony for that and didn't, he didn't invite Solomon. That was the time whereby it was mentioned again, the second time. And by then, Solomon is already an adult. So what happened to the childhood? No records at all. But you know what? I believe from the bottom of my heart, Solomon was observing David. Solomon was watching how David lead his life as a worshipper. Solomon was watching David, how David loved God. How David sang songs of praises unto God. Solomon was watching how he made decisions together with God. Solomon was watching how David loved God, respect God, honor God. And he as the son, he said, that's my father. That's my father. Because from verse 14 onwards, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 14 onwards, Solomon, after you know, the whole entire uh, process, turned around to the congregation. He began to explain how this temple of God was built. In every part of his speech, he referred to David, not as King David, but he said, David, my father. David, my father. And then when he proceeded to pray to God, he say, David, your servant, my father. You know, fathers, when we hear our children say, that's my father, not that we influence them to say it, but at moments where we catch them and someone asks them, who's your father? Are you proud of your father? Yes, that's my father. I tell you, something has gone into their hearts because they see something in us. And I want to say this also in closing. The Apostle Paul knows about this. You know the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, we always do Bible study, right? Wow, the problems with this church, la, the sins, la, the disunity, jealousy, pride, everything. But actually, uh, the crux of the problem is not this. The crux of the problem can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Really? Let me read to you. I do not write these things to shame you, writing to the Corinthians, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you 
imitate me because I am your father. The problem with you, the Corinthian church, is not just the sins and all the competitiveness, all the jealousy and envy and everything. It is because everybody wants to do teaching. Everybody wants to lead. Everybody wants to do something. But nobody wants to father. Nobody wants to be a father to the church. This, to me, was a stark reminder that fathering is so, so important. At this moment, I just want to ask the worship team to come forward. Maybe take up the, the musical instruments. I'm going to close, actually. <laughs> Sorry, my sermon is a bit messy. But you can get the gist of it. Holy Spirit will work. The last point is most important. Family worship is important. Family worship is important. And I want to read to you the three points again. From the account of the dedication of the temple, of how Solomon brought everyone together, starting from the leaders and the fathers of the tribes, fathers, chief fathers. And he brought the rest of the congregation and they offer unto God the offering of 22,000 bulls and 150,000 sheep, if I'm not wrong. That's a lot. And the, and the glory of God came and filled the whole temple that even the priests cannot minister because the presence of God was so powerful. Something happened to, 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 to allow all this to take place. Worship is a family affair. And family means everyone is involved. Not a single one is left behind. Worship is a family affair and the attitude of worship must be filled with overflowing thanksgiving and repentance. And I want to emphasize the third point. Worship is a family affair and the children learn through the worship lifestyle of the parents, especially of the fathers. I would like to ask of you to come alongside in prayer and say, God, we commit this church into your hands. God, this is your church. You are our Heavenly Father. And if you are our Heavenly Father, teach us to father this church. We pray for the anointing of yours to come upon this church in a more awesome way. We pray that the tangible presence of yours to fill this building, to fill the hearts of the people. We pray that there will be more healings, miracles and testimonies that will glorify you. And as we come together as one, pray this, as we come together as one, because Jesus and you are as one, the world will see the love of yours. Angmokyo community will see the love. Pray.